Hey guys, it's Amelia Singer here on Ameliorate Through Wine, where I pair wine to international guest palettes, personalities, and personal stories. I am thrilled that this podcast is being vigorously propelled by the Rothschild Wine Collection from Good House Wadston, all names synonymous with a century-old legacy of art and wine craftsmanship. I really couldn't think of a better pairing for this wine and culture podcast. From the early 1920s to the present day, the Rothschild family's profound love for both art and wine coming together has been at the heart of their journey. Their family's artistic heritage distinguishes the labels, often telling a unique story that gives an extra dimension into their exceptional wines. With handcrafted bottles created by celebrated artists, mesmerizing cellar installations, and label artwork produced by members of the family themselves, the Rothschild's timeless commitment to the fusion of art and wine is a legacy that continues to inspire connoisseurs and enthusiasts alike. Visit goodhousewadston.com for more information. So now, sit back, pour yourself a glass, and enjoy. Well, I'm very excited to have on my sofa two very good friends, sadly not of mine, who knows in the future, be warned, um, but they are very good friends, and indie rock guitarists, singers, and songwriters, Jamie Hints from The Kills, and Robbie Furs from The Big Pink. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Nice to be here. Lovely. Thank you. We've got a few different like kind of charcuterie nibbles going on, um, but before I bring out the wine, I just want to ask... How did you guys first meet? Uh, it probably wasn't over wine, I'm guessing. In yeah. Chattanooga, right? Yeah, it was in Chattanooga. Yeah, but did we ever speak in, did we speak in, Ch- in like, were we on speaking terms at that point? <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you just look at him well, from afar. No, because yeah. everyone used to say like, you know Robbie, right? From, from Big Pink, you know Robbie? And I'd be like, no, who's Robbie? And they'd be like, oh my God, you two, you'll, you'll love each other. And I, so I kind of went on the... You know, defensive. And I was like, "Oh, uh, yeah. do not force me to be friends with some <laughs> idiot." You know, like, I'm quite happy with my two friends I already have. You know, that sort of. And then, um, and then Mary introduced me. We were in, in um, near Florence, in a beautiful part of Italy. So it was kind of it was wine related. Yeah, it was some yeah. great. I'm sure we were drinking wine. We're going to go through four wines today. Um, all of the wines I've chosen, well, actually, sorry, one of the wines is not, but three of the wines which I've chosen are from my friends. He's got this amazing online wine discovery club called R Glass, as in O-U-R. And not only does it match like members up to like their like, perfect choices based on palette and whatever, but he does what I do, which is pairing wine to music and art. And he curates cases around like artistic experiences and interesting monthly newsletters. So I thought it was a natural collaboration. I deliberately wanted to take you to the Jura, which is in the southeast of France. I don't know if you've been there. I've never been there. It's also where the Comte cheese comes from. So if you're a fan of that, um, actually, I always say whatever um, whatever grows together goes together. So that with some Comte would be oh, awesome. So the Jura is kind of like a bit of a trendy area. Um, I would say Beaujolais, the Rhone, the Loire. These are all kind of this now generation of winemakers making things in a like in a pure way, like right. precise, but still with expression. So like, it'll have a bit of verb to it. It won't have a lot of oak to it. I'm just gonna make sure I get the vintage right. Yeah, Labbe. So this is 100% Chardonnay. Right. So the same grape, which, you know, which white which, burgundy. Which love, yeah. And um, it's from the Jura, which has this like amazing kind of um, limestone, which gives it that vervy, like, which kind of pops that acidity. But what I really like about it is it does have golden fruit. It is kind of rich. We're having it now with like meats and cheeses. It's a it's a powerful white. Yeah. This was based though on Robbie saying that he really liked hearty whites, white burgundy. Um, I like to though play with people's perceptions. So if someone says to me I like white burgundy, I probably will not um, on principle get it. But it should have similar kind of vibes. And um, yeah, I the winemaker. I don't know. Would you guys describe yourself as like? Punk rockers, indie rockers, alternative. Mm, I think I think we both come from a punk background. I would say. Yeah, yeah. we've come definitely. Yeah, that's what's informed us. Okay, because um, yeah. this uh, this wine region, kind of in wine circles, is considered one for kind of punk 
rolls of wine. Yeah. So I've deliberately chosen the regions around that. Cheers. Cheers. Hopefully you guys Mm. like, I never like to tell people what to taste, but Mm. it's similar to a white burgundy, I would Mm. say. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, is it opulent enough for you? Yeah. I know you like... No, 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 no. I deliberately took it out of the fridge just to let it... Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm not going to pretend to, like, use... To, I'm not going to adopt terms that I think are whiny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to say... No, how's I it? Yeah. I, I don't really hate... I don't want to sort of pretend that I'm more of a connoisseur than I am. No, I want... Yeah, how does it make you feel? Like, it's a bit fizzy when I had a little drink of that. Mm. But I, I really like it. I used to drink, I mean, yeah. I start, it's kind of like the trajectory for me was like I started on drinking white wine. And I always used to say, if I don't want to drink a lot, then I'll order a red wine because it just, I, yeah. I can only drink like one glass. And yeah. it it, this was like a while ago. <laughs> and, then, and then you kind of gradually, the penny drops with this sort of opening your sort of palate. And, yeah. and, then, you, and then I'd kind of, now it's now I see it like white wine's my day day, yeah, yeah. day <laughs> wine, red wine. wine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like, I'm with you. You know, again, I don't know the lingo. I mean, I've drunk a lot of white wine, but I've never like Robbie started informing me about things. I would never have thought of half of the things. Well, I remember you did you you. I remember you being a little bit. Um, Here doubt, we go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait you, for you it. were a little tiny bit rude about me when I said <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I once asked for a white burgundy. You were like, oh, you don't get, you don't, you don't get. Do you remember that? You, you said you don't get white burgundies, and I was like, well, actually, I know. So say that about a lot of fuck things. Fuck you. <laughs> I know. I remember that. You know, like, do you remember this that? Is a, this is the, where, where, like, the start of being like where, where, when I where I came into wine was like, I mean, yeah, because did you grow up with it? Were your parents? No, no. We were like scum. <laughs> No, my, my, we, we lived in South Africa for a bit, actually. So my dad was, he's kind of into South African white wines. But I never, I just, it was just like, I didn't really know anything about white wine. Yeah. I didn't know anything about wine. And gradually, that, that was a, the time when you don't know about wine, you sort of pretend you know more. So yeah. I, I, I had a few embarrassing things like that, where <laughs> someone would go, say like, I'd say, can I have a Sancerre? And they'd go, uh, red or white? And I'd be like, duh, <laughs> it's a white. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, you're actually a yeah. clown, mate. No, 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 but it was only because like, literally the day before someone had told me about white burgundies. Because it was that thing of like, you know, I don't know, that Sauvignon Blanc, that stuff. My mum used to drink all that, yeah. as well as rosé stuff, and it would just be just too... Acidic? Acidic, yeah, too Yeah, tough. I find it too harsh, mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, not just, uh, no. I love the colour of the white. Though, I know, I love that golden white colour. As soon as someone pours yeah. me a white wine, yeah, yeah. which has that kind of golden amulet yeah. in yeah. a glass feel, I'm like... <sighs> yeah, I feel comfortable when I see it that yeah. colour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm can, like, I know I'm going to be I okay. I can really dig in, yeah. Yeah. Really sit, sit soft for this one, yeah. Just, oh, no. But I think we bonded over, like, when we met at Chilton, and I was so impressed. It was, like, three in the morning, and I was, like, on vodka something, and you guys are having white wine. And um, I'd had a really shitty Somme experience where the Somme had, like, tried to make me feel really small just because he was trying to fob us off with a wine which was three times the price. And I actually... Again, everyone assumes because I work in wine that I only order really expensive stuff. And it's a bit like if you work in fashion, you're like, okay, cool, you know, that Chanel, whatever, you can also get on the high street here. And so you guys were like saying, oh, we sometimes find it a bit snobby. And at least. Well, that's that's like the the big sort of uh, leveler of that is when you go to France and they kind of laugh at how much money we spend on, you know, this idea of the sort of financial hierarchy of wine. You get the most amazing wine for like, you know, 10 euros out there and they, they just laugh at us for spending 400 on a bottle of something. <laughs> Jamie, you were saying you really like, obviously, red wines, Bordeaux, but I was like, I'm not going to do Bordeaux if I'm doing something else like French for Robbie. And I was like, you also said you like Sicilian reds. Yeah. And yeah, again, as I say, you could serve it slightly chilled as it's so chilly. I didn't. I hope it goes well with the olive tapenade and the kind of veggie things. Oh, like, yeah. well, I don't go back up. I'll have to uh, steal your tapenade. Get off my tapenade. <laughs> Don't touch my tapenade. <laughs> mm, that's great. So it's meant to be like a really fun, juicy, bright red. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, light. And yeah, like light is light. Like, mm-hmm. Light, is that the right word, yeah? Not too heavy, this one. But very fruity. Very yes. fruity, <laughs> berry-ish. Yeah. Jeremy, right, so this is 
Sicilian from, was it sort of... So it's the frappato grape, which um, is normally shoved into blends. Uh, you might have like got wines from Cerasolo di Vittoria, which is like a special wine region in Sicily, which specializes in this blend of the frappato grape for its berryness and Nero de Avila. But this is the great reveal and why I look weird because I'm hiding behind, <laughs> the behind my back. This is the one wine not from Hourglass. This is the Waitrose wine. <laughs> and they actually have this great range called Lost and Found, where they go on, like their buyers go on a crusade to kind of amplify these great varieties which have been thrown by the wayside. And now they're trying to be like, actually, they're really great in their own right. And because no one knows about them, you get great value. Yeah, the wine on. that we got last night, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> the wine we got. Yeah. Well, well you know, because I like... Red, like hot, like heavy reds, but like, is that like a well, Beaujolais, right? What is a what is a Beaujolais? Is that a grape, right? So Beaujolais is an, a part of Burgundy, oh. but people don't think of it like it because it, it um, the main grape from there is the Gamay grape that right. goes into Beaujolais, and it's very different climate, very different soils, and makes very different styles of wine. So even though technically it's part of Burgundy, people don't see it. They're very much like Burgundy, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, right? right people yeah. say, I want a Berg. You know, it's, it tends to be that. Yeah. And then Beaujolais is a southern part of Burgundy where, right, yeah, okay. yeah. Fine, right, okay. And, and does, it, does a Beaujolais sort of, is it a lighter, lighter red? It tends to be. So like, I mean, particularly like the Beaujolais Nouveau, like apparently in the 80s, there were like Beaujolais Nouveau parties and stuff, yeah, which is like right. when like they bottled the wine six I've months in. That. And it was very, yeah, exactly. I think it was very American though too. Yeah, like that was yeah. like a big deal there. Right. And um, is that like wine in a box? I don't know if it was that. <laughs> well, no, low, low, <laughs> low brow, but I just remember that from the eighties, and my mum and dad's house would be lots of things in boxes. Oh right, <laughs> you know, yeah. the was, it's coming back though, it? because of sustainability. Oh uh, right, yeah, it was a good look. I think it was cool with the little plastic thing that you. Yeah, what, oh, with the, like the <laughs> colostomy bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> squeezing <laughs> the last bit out of it. Yeah, oh, I'm not sure oh about that. Would you say that like wine or alcohol has, you've talked about it a little bit in terms of performance, mm-hmm. actually in terms of writing music, have you found it helpful or do yeah, you actually feel definitely. like it's not helpful? Well, I mean, we, we used to go to this, it's kind of unlikely for uh, sort of old world, world wine, but we used to use this studio in um, a place called Benton Harbour in Michigan. It's like in the middle of nowhere, very kind of poor, run-down place. Yeah. But they had a studio that had the, this mixing desk that used to belong to Sly Stone from Sly and the Family Stone. And I was like, obsessed with the sound of, the, yeah. of Sly Stone. So we'd, yeah. we kind of found this studio and went there to Benton Harbour. Nothing to do in Benton Harbour. It's so run-down, nothing to do. Like, the only sort of nightlife was like... Um, there's a 24-hour supermarket. <laughs> but it, was, it was really interesting because you go there at 2 a.m. and all the local kind of youngsters, all the teenagers... Hanging out. Yeah, they'd kind of dress up to the nines and they'd be all like, hanging out yeah, the, at Maya's supermarket. <laughs> but we found this one little like liquor store where there was an old man ran, ran this liquor store and he'd obviously travelled, he'd obviously been interested in wine and he had this sort of wine section of these kind of crazy old wines that were sort of like 10 bucks, 12 bucks. Yeah. 20. So I, and that's really what started me. Yeah. We, we were in the studio writing a record for three months in this place. And I kind of look up these, like photograph them and look them up and I'm like, oh my God, this one's worth 50 quid and they're selling it for 12. And then we'd go back and sort of buy them. <laughs> and then I kind of created this like little sort of cellar in the, in the studio while we were writing a that's record. so cool. So definitely always been... I wonder how they got hold of them and how they could do I, that. I mean, I, it, it seemed like some of the, some of the, so I didn't know about it then, but I'd be buying wines that were like, there was some like from like seven, 1978 and they were just, just awful. <laughs> I mean, that was the time when I just thought, it's old, oh my God. I, mean, you know, I just thought the older it was, the better. And I you, mean, there's a romance yeah. to it. And I always say, I mean, it will never be proven in a lab, but I always say for me, it's like 50% is maybe maybe even less than that is how a wine is made and technically like blah, blah, blah and, and the flavour. But then it's also how I'm enjoying it. Like yeah. the music being played, the company. It's a bit shabby today, but anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thing, like, whatever, you know. But it's amazing how I could be served like the most... I actually have to be careful what I say. I can be served the most beautiful burgundies at certain tastings, which are very exclusive. But it's like a morgue when you go into this tasting because everyone's just been so reverential and talking in these yeah. hushed tones. And I'm like the only woman there. And 
you know, and then I'm like, I just feel like something's died, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so for me, it's, it's um, as you, yeah, there is, like a, there is a romance to it. And yeah, I was just like curious if that romance uh, like, and that transportive element in wine like helped like in the creative process. Like, yeah, I mean, I think it definitely does. I think anything to, you know, relax one into certain terrible situations like trying to write a song does help. You know what I mean? Well, I was always, you know, I was always, my creative process would always start at like 10 p.m. really. Right, yeah. Go on till through the middle of the night. So, you know, a bottle, bottle of wine is um, yeah, always appropriate. Definitely be sitting next to the computer. Yeah. Yeah, I think constantly. I, I, don't, I don't think it, I think it, I mean, obviously if you, if you get, you know, too drunk, that's a problem, but I think it definitely, you know, if you're just, Relaxing into it, I guess. And it can help maybe like unlock. It. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Can, yeah. definitely. Um, I think every recording session has always been alcohol. And I mean, yeah, but I don't think of it. I, I mean, I don't like to think of it just like it's an alcohol thing because it is. A, there is a sort of more of a sensory thing when I, like, I was an absolute philistine when I was in in this place in Benton Harbour, Key Club recording. And it was like this was it was kind of a window into a into a sort of like you say, into a sort of romantic world. Yeah, it's like a liquid and, time machine. Yeah, and it, I kinda of, I felt Yeah, just I don't know, just yeah, no, like I, building I, up this artillery of wine and then this sort of like t the taste and the smell and like I can I'm just there now so I hadn't set up my little writing room and I'd be there with my wine like and just sort of type right to spend set, sit up all night just writing it's kind of absolutely I can't imagine a, a doing that with a vodka Red Bull you know uh, yeah. something just yeah, quite yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I'm, I'm a real sucker for that for the, for the, the romance and the kind, yeah, of, yeah. the kind of nonsense history because really all this was was the guy had probably imported this wine like 20 years ago and he hadn't put the price up of it yeah he right. couldn't get rid of it yeah he couldn't get rid of it <laughs> there wasn't much of a wasn't much of a market for it in Benton Harbour yeah. I'm going to do a wine now, kind of based on like your musical journey. It's not going to be Red Bull, Ooh. don't worry. It's interesting, like um, kind of why I chose the white wine was because Ben Johnson, the guy who runs Hourglass, was like, "Oh, this reminds me of like a Tom Verlaine from television because it's like it's got the it's stripped down." It just rambles on with no melody. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Well, his his justification was it's good for the first he has, minute. He has like the precision and the technicality, but then it also is expression. And I felt like, and I, I don't know, Ooh. when I bring, move on to this next wine, it's, I guess it's a fine line when you are a musician. It's like, you know, you want to respect the genres, you want to learn, but then it's also about letting yourself have pure emotion too and kind of getting the balance. So, well, this red, yeah, I'm glad we've allowed it to open up a bit in the glass because this is definitely probably the most funky and it kind of um, like... What do you mean by funky? Kind of a bit rustic, animal, animalistic, savory. And there's still fruit there, but there's like other stuff going on. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's not, it's not, it hasn't been filtered, so you see that it's slightly cloudy. And again, this is a guy who makes his wine in a very kind of natural way. And I chose this guy because he cut his teeth working in the Jura, where we were before. Mm -hmm. And then he was very much like, I want to do my own thing with his wife. And they, he went to Switzerland for a bit. And he's always going to end up in Bordeaux or one of these places. And then he actually ended up in the Southern Rome near Mount Ventoux, where you can get amazing, amazing, really powerful roses, because I like big roses. And this wine, like if you, if you, if you um, were tasting it, I don't think you'd think it was from the Southern Rome, like which you tend to think of as like rose country and very hot and whatever. But he's like, I want to make wines which are expressive, but are kind of a homage to Northern Rhone, which are much more kind of peppery, more mm. savory, yeah. like electric, and um, very hands-off approach. Because like, I'm sure you guys have had Cote de Rhone and Chateauneuf de Pape yeah. before. This is a very different kind of beast. And I think- Is he got... making wine to like drink straight away? Um, 
This is probably one of his easiest, mm -hmm. but I think it's also foodie. So that's why I was like, try it with the beef. Yeah. What do you guys think, honestly? I, I, is, yeah. I really, well, only because I, like, I'm going to sound like, maybe sound like a, more of an idiot than I usually sound like, but. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I, I don't think you could. Well, Come on, yeah. carry on, please. <laughs> I, 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 I'm on your side, Robbie. I'll, I'll stick up for you here. I don't think no, you could. That's only because, you know, it's, the reds aren't my area. Right. <laughs> but I think, yeah, it, it's definitely like, it's definitely more complex, I guess, than, than there's a lot, like you said, a lot going on. It's almost at certain times a kind of like slight, well, is that only because I got it in my head? We were talking about a farm, like a farmyard yes. spell. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay, yeah, I even <laughs> said, yeah, like farmyardy, rustic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that my, yeah. Is that my hands? Is what he's asking. Did I wash my hands? Every time I raise my glass, I smell pink shit. No, and then again, no. and again. Is that my hands? Or is it a wine? <laughs> no, but that's exactly it. It is that slightly rustic, not quite feral, but yeah, yeah like farmyardy. My pate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the rustic cafe. <laughs> and it can get very, when I said funky, that kind of animal barnyardy thing, stably thing, yeah. can absolutely in the own in particular get really funky. What I like about this guy is he does like a nod to it. Right. And he uses like natural yeasts and all of this. And again, like natural to a foot, um, but there's still a purity and precision to his wine. So it doesn't get too funky. Yeah. And the fruit is absolutely there. Cause like sometimes some of the really funky feral ones, I just. Right. No, it's, it's not off putting at all. I'm always interested in the fruit too. Cause I generally don't like fruit, like really fruity thing, wines. Which is what I was saying. I don't, I'm not a big fan of Napa wines cause they always seem to. The big cabernets. Well, they just seem to go, you know, Americans are obviously not renowned for patience. They want everything right now. So they inject all this flavor and do all this thing sort of, <gasps> it has, and I just want one taste of it. I like half a glass of it. I like, but just. It's a very different culture too. After like yeah. a couple of glasses, you're like, ugh. And also if you have to get up early the next day, that's when I'm like, Maybe I'll just have one or two glasses of this. I mean, I do like I, I, every now and then, but that's why I wrote, well, whites for me took over rosé. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, when I found, you know, I was actually, <laughs> I was in a difficult situation because I was so sick of rosé and I didn't know. And also reds, I have a, sometimes, I don't know if, if it's not, I don't know if it's, if it's actual um, heartburn stuff, but it, I, it wakes me up in the middle of the night. It's some kind of, it dehydrates me or something. Yeah, and so you wake up at like 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, 3.30 yeah. and bang on the dot. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> been there, yeah. You still drink it at 3 a.m. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> I actually just like, like, like Jamie like, shaking his head. <laughs> when is this? What is it? Who is this, Robbie? <laughs> But yeah, no, so I just like, yeah, I, I wanted to show you this. It's a husband and wife team. She actually is a doctorate in, I think, okay, wait, I'm going to get this wrong. Like I got, no. your doc, she's a doctor in letters in, oh no, yeah, it's an actual thing. She's an ancient manu, uh, manuscript specialist. Wow. And she's even like made kind of manuscripts from like papyrus leaves. And she actually, she uses the kind of vine material oh, for the wow. actual wine label. So it's oh, Aurelion. And Charlotte Oulion, I, I bet I just butchered that French. Right. And this is known as indigo, this particular uh, cuvee they make. And it's 90% Syrah, which gives it that pepperiness and that gaminess, and 10% Grenache, yeah. which gives it that fruit. But. Um, Do you think they dyed the, the, the yeah. thing themselves? I'm sure. And also, it was indigo, this, they had wax. That's really cool. I, I, I love the that. wax. What's yeah. that about? I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, no, that's become. Like very popular, I, I, I now see that being used more and more people using wax, yeah. wax in this closure. FYI, never try and cut around the wax. Just put your corkscrew right through it ah. and it'll come off cleanly. Yeah, yeah. I've tried, I've, I've tried yeah. a few methods of this, but even doing that, I find a little bit of wax goes in sometimes. Yeah, because it can get really messy. Right. Yeah, Because that's the real faux part to do it with that, isn't it? Always. So yeah, I just thought, um, he's got quite an interesting story because he started off in the Jura, goes around France and Switzerland, ends up in the Rhone. He's making some very cool, it's all um, organic, biodynamic, which is the next level up where you plant grapes in accordance to the moon cycles. Oh my gosh, and you make yeah, all your own yeah, compost cool. heaps. And even, I've got a biodynamic calendar there, there's even certain days if a wine's made biodynamically, if it's a fruit day in the moon cycle calendar, that it's going to be at its most expressive as opposed to a root day. Now, it doesn't mean there's going to be anything faulty with the wine, but in terms of expression, it'll be much more reduced. 
How um, do, can I ask, how yeah. do, I'm really fascinated by how, okay, for instance, the husband and wife team, how do they begin this sort of, you know, wine have they do they have they like inherited a vineyard no or they, no they, they actually bought it together so he went off with his two brothers and went to Domaine Tissot in the Jura and Domaine Tissot is like again if you want to be really punky go into like an East London wine bar and ask for Domaine Tissot from the Jura and they'll be like oh my god like they're so cool, cool. but they probably think you're way cool so, anyway write, so. write, write, write that down we'll do that in a Mexican <laughs> near your house yeah. with, uh, yeah. with that hot girl works yeah, yeah, yeah. she'll be really impressed yeah. <laughs> what is it again? The Something about the gendarme. But uh, yeah, so he went with his like two other brothers to train under this like amazing wine apprenticeship kind of thing. And then I think they went on and stayed in France. And he was like, actually, you know what? I actually want to kind of explore the world a bit, go to Switzerland, do my own thing. And then he met his wife and she... I don't know much about her story because she's not, I don't think, from a technical winemaking background. As I said, like, she's got a doctorate in manuscripts. Mm, like, that's amazing. Yeah. But she, that. in terms of the farming, they apparently only have two employees, which is their donkey and their horse. And she's kind of in charge of that. And he's like, they only listen to her. I'm still unclear about the biodynamics. Yeah, you know what? I was about to say the same thing. Could you oh, just repeat? God. Yeah, yeah, say that. So I, like I said before we yeah. started, I said, no, let's no, not no. pretend that we know things okay, we don't. I felt like you knew what no, you were talking about. And I was like, oh, I just got to not say I thought it. it was just so no, I'm so sorry. I like, no, I'm sorry. No. I probably like came across as like really wankery. No, no, no. It's because they're a bit silly. No, no. It's like, it's not. I love a cheers of united idiocy. I don't expect people to know. Um, basically, biodynamic is just a principle. So organic, depending on where you are, but mainly it just means like what you do to the grapes and like not adding anything into it in the vineyard. But then as soon as it gets into the winery itself, it can be pulverized with sulfur. Um, example in point, I worked in an organic winery in Chile. I was working in the winery. I have asthma. Didn't realize quite how much sulfur they were putting in. I had like my biggest asthma attack. Ever. Oh, wow, like wow. Okay. so like I'm very like sensitive to that kind of thing and when I go to bulk wine tastings I can immediately tell the sulfur levels because I get like a <laughs> I get like a cocky oh, like wow. sore throat but actually now in today's world sulfur has never been less in terms of its use of wine it's become universally so much more sophisticated in how they're making wine you'll actually get far more sulfur if you have dried apricots right. and biodynamic goes to the next level because it's like oh we're not just going to do everything organic we're actually going to um do things and it's based on these principles by an Austrian guy called Rudolf Steiner from the 1930s who really believed that the world was all kind of one ecosystem it was a very pantheistic view where it's like oh we all follow like the moon and um, you know like everything which happens is like based on the cycles of the moon and so that's why this calendar I have here it's like right. a biodynamic calendar which will show you like fruit root leaf days, everything like that. Wow, that's amazing. And so, therefore, they'll make compost in a certain way, they'll plant on certain days, they'll irrigate, like, they'll do certain processes. Should we, do, should we apply this to music? Yeah. Like, do, like we write on a certain day. Yeah, so... Like, we're trying to get... This is really it's inspiring. There's an <laughs> oh, English. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm so glad. It's like, they go into that much detail, what do we do? We yeah, sit exactly, around like, yeah. I don't feel like... I don't feel inspired. <laughs> I don't feel inspired today. And like a fruit day could be like your most expressive yeah. day. We need to do it on September the 13th. <laughs> after bleu. Après bleu? Is that, is that, no, après bleu. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. It's all in French, I'm afraid. I don't know. I'm pretending I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, but, I'll, um, I'll read it for you. Where'd thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there must be a creative cycle that is somehow associated with a... The lunar moon. cycle yeah. or something, Tasty. you know, there must be. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think we accidentally like fucked fall, it? Fall, 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 with fall. all our drinking wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a balance. Day and night. Yeah. There's a wine appreciation. Yeah, we've, the moon. Changed, yeah, we've changed the. Uh... We've, do you know what we've done, Robbie? We've only gone and confused our lunar cycle. <laughs> <laughs> we've obliterated it. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. I thought that, yeah, it, it is, I'm so glad you asked me to explain because yeah. it is like a whole nother level. And then natural wine, that's when they apparently use like the least amount of sulfur, but it's just not certified. So this is why they're always like, we just try and like let the wine do its own thing, you know, and for some people that means like, yeah, they yeah. know how they handle their grapes and they've got great produce to be able to do that with. 
others it ends up tasting like cider you know um yeah we've had that oh we had that actually i know i don't want to no, i don't want to drop the name because i love the little wine place but because I guess they're really yeah. into like they they had this Hungarian cider. Riesling, which I, which she said, oh, this is incredible. Which but it was just too funky. It was like cider, wasn't it? Was it? Exactly, like cider. It was like a pear cider. Yeah, no, I know. Weird. Yeah, I mean, if you if you said to me, oh, this is like a a really pear lovely cider, cider I would have been like, oh, great, it's so nice. <laughs> it tastes a little bit like a Hungarian Riesling. <laughs> <laughs> I love this yeah, cider. I love it. Yeah, when you go to the pub the next day, I'm looking for something. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, it's interesting because I guess, yeah, like going on to the music thing, both of you guys are like, oh, I'm not really into natural wine. But I do have a respect for the winemaker, like the wine we're just enjoying now, who is like, okay, um, I want to make it as pure as possible. There'll still be like some precision there. But I also just like want to express myself and the, the mm. land like really authentically, which is kind of yeah. scary and it can go a bit wrong. I mean, would you say that can happen with music too? It's like, how raw or how natural do you go? Because like on one stage, like that is, someone could argue like the most palpable thing. Or is it always, yeah, or is it not that necessary? Or Can you say it again? <laughs> <Yes>. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, okay, so I was Sorry, you, it's, I was, it's, you've got, like, so I was like, looking at you like, are you going to pretend to know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. I like where we're going. Go on, so yeah, because I was Go like, again. okay, I think, you know, I think, you guys okay. are like, oh, natural wine, and I'm kind of a bit like, oh, uh, like it can seem just either like a bit wanky or disgusting. Um, <laughs> it can be like that. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know, the greatest kind of natural winemaker, I think, would be someone who takes risks, who's like, I'm not going to try and cover my wine. I really believe in my grapes. I really believe in my winemaker, but I'm going to let it do its own thing. And this is a very authentic expression. Right. And I would say, like, would, do you have those same kind of dilemmas when you're creating music? It's like, Ooh, like I want this to be real and raw, but I don't quite know how much is too much. I don't how... really have that. I just no. sort of try and do exactly what I want to do. I like I make music in absolute private. I'm not very good at working with people. I'd always do it on my own. Not even with Alison. Since no, since I was a kid, my mum and dad weren't into musical art. I always had to do it as a secret, and I've continued doing that. But weren't you both in and bands that, from like quite young, right? Yeah. But, but you always did it in secret. Yeah, even now, me and Alison, we're close as hell, but we always write absolutely separately. I won't let her hear anything until no it's absolutely ready. So in that sense, I am making absolutely bio natural whatever, yeah. you know. I'm doing that. Biodynamic but then, music. But, but, yeah. then, but then you have to... You know, you, you get to a point where you know you're not just making music for yourself, because if you were, you wouldn't ever have, feel the need to play it to anyone. So you know that you're making music for other people and that's the bit that I'm uncomfortable with. That's the bit when I start yeah. playing it to my record company and they come back with, whoa, it's a little bit, you know, you know, you need to get, a, you need to get this mixer to make it more palatable. I guess <laughs> and, that is, you're right. And like, yeah. then I start being like, oh, really? But the creative process, 100%, no, I don't, I don't feel any pressure to do, you know, to make it anything other than what I want it to be. And then after that, that's when it all gets ruined for me. But yeah, would you would you say that? I mean, I know, I mean, I, I have a different. I'm just as you're talking because he's. I mean, we our relationship with playing each other our own music is, I guess, different because I, poor Jamie will literally have literally bar by bar, you know, like yeah. I'll, I'll be sending. I, I love it though when you do it. He sends yeah. me. Songs it's, from the uh, the most like primitive conception of a song. Yeah. I feel like I could like go on my email and look up like type in search of one of his songs, and there'd be fifteen emails of different. You know, oh, wow. as yeah. it's going more and more. Wow. I, I, and I just can't play anyone anything. I'm just so shamed. Yeah. I, I, well, well. I, I, my 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 <laughs> issue is that I just I get very bored on my own. I don't like my own company very much. Like. As in, like, I need to be with people the whole time. And I, like, no, I'm uh, kind yeah. of like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I turned into therapy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, babe. Isn't it? Come yeah. here. Have another little so drink. That's why I heavily drink. Uh, no, no, it, no, it's like... You yeah, thought no. you were coming today to a wine. I'm afraid it's an intervention. <laughs> um, <laughs> tricked you. No, no, but I, it, it, I tell you what it is. Like, honest, like, apart from being deeply... Secure. 
it, it's it's about I like the energy of working with someone like I find you know this is how I could maybe make an excuse for for needing for not being able to do it on my own it's that I I mean predominantly the ideas are mine and I'll I'll be the one steering the ship I guess you know I mean I'll be the one in you know coming up with the ideas to, to the or, or at, yeah. least, at least the beginnings of the ideas um and uh, but I need the energy of someone in the room with me to kind of get me no, through absolutely. through through the through the stages because I can't like this one. I, 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 I mean, you know, the first time I really understood that was the pandemic when we would uh, have, we would have phone calls and I'd say like, it's just I just realised it's kind of the day to day reaction from someone like just walking past your studio and being like, oh, that sounds great. You know, you didn't yeah. have that for two years. Yeah, I've I've always felt like I create in a bubble, but when you really, when you when you're forced to be in a bubble, then you realise how much you actually do get like feedback from people, and and you need that absolutely, like a thousand times more than I do. But yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but I mean, I guess you get it from, you know, because you can create and then you can go out and then you can interact and then that stimulant, then you can take I just don't like making, it's weird, it's just the way I was brought up. I just, like, my, I just hate making mistakes in front of people. Um, I agree. Are you a bit of a perfectionist? Yeah, but I mean, I kind of feel like that's, you know, that's one of those things when, you know, what are your... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me something. What, what do you think your worst you points are? Well, I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> and I care about people too much. You know, it's just like... That's just like, shut up. You're actually, you're a narcissist. <laughs> and, and you're a bit of a wanker as well. <laughs> but, but I tell you, I tell you what, look, this is just to ask you a question, but like, because I don't think... I don't ever... I didn't become a musician writing song I was never a songwriter I didn't think that I didn't think I was I always thought I'd be just a guitarist I didn't think I would ever you know write anything so it was mm-hmm. like for me writing and singing was secondary to playing guitar I was just you know in my early days of wanting to be a musician I wanted just to be the the lead guitarist or the guy who just you know the glory guy just stood on the side looking cool play guitar I'm gonna go and get I'm gonna go and meet the groupies now yeah, yeah. you carry on playing you carry on writing that's you know, why I'll, I'll just play some, some stuff whatever that's where I thought I was gonna go and then maybe I wasn't good enough to be that guy and had to write my own songs and sing <laughs> do you know what I mean and um, so yeah that's but maybe did you think about were you always a songwriter from the off yeah. no but I, th- I, mean, I think that's why like when I look at the roots of what I really love about music it's always like the, that kind of really early blues like Robert Johnson and Charlie Patton and then punk was a massive influence and they're all things that weren't really about songwriting they were about they weren't about the notes or the melodies or your, whether you were a virtuoso, they were yeah. about the attitude and something that just came from your yeah. gut, you know. Which, which is good, which ties but, back to the wines that you know. Now I'm trying to yeah. be a songwriter. Yeah. Well, if, it, if it tastes good and we like it, then it's great. If it sounds good <laughs> yeah. and, and we love it, then it's great. Yeah. But you guys have like collaborated together on songs too. We have, he play, he's played on my record. I, yeah. I, I didn't quite get the call play on his record I don't know maybe maybe <laughs> I was lost in, in the mail yeah, I don't know yeah. I, I, I just yes. explain that I like to do things in secret on my own <laughs> what do you think I'm curious so like this this wine is a blend and I like, I hate it when people think oh a blend is inferior to like 100% Chardonnay or whatever I think that I knew I, yeah but because so, right because okay. I've never what really heard it what do you think sorry I missed it <laughs> I've never really heard it that, until, until moving to LA and then you go to you go somewhere and say I'm um, so, you know, you have to dumb yourself down a little bit over there. You go, what red wine have you got? And they say, um, we have a blend or a cab. And it's just like, it's like, I've never, I've never heard that. We have a blend. Like, no, but that's like so unhelpful. Because <laughs> I was like, like saying that, that some people, when they think of blend, like a blend of grapes, that yeah. it's somehow inferior to like a wine which is made like 100% of Chardonnay or 100% right, Cabernet. Right. Whereas I'm like, it's a bit like saying you can't really judge a piano sonata versus an orchestral piece. Like, they're totally different. And both of them can be shit and both of them can be good. But the whole reason why you go for, like, the orchestral thing is, okay, like, the strings give this, you know, the brass gives this. And it's a bit like the wine we had. I was like, oh, this is a blend. Like, it's 90% syrup. It's like a cross-genre. Right. Yeah, it's like cross-genre. And it's, it's a bit... Yeah, like together they'll make a harmony. Right. So I'm kind of, if I was like thinking of you as a blend, what do you think you guys give to the harmony, like when you collaborate? 
Well, I mean, I think that before... I give my like I gave some really good like riffs and melodies and great guitar sounds and a lot of skill on the guitar. <laughs> To, to Robbie's songs, also some beats, some of my favourite beats that I gave him that really crush. Um, I mean, you know, Robbie, what have you brought to <laughs> the table? Continually putting up with endless <laughs> Molly coddling <laughs> in a way of deep support. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, that is actually selfless. Like, selfless acts. We're though. joking, but we do really support each other. Yeah. Like emotionally and mentally a lot more than actually that's a lot more important than any musical contribution yeah I think that's true I played a few things on his record and gave him some pretty banging beats that's it <laughs> <laughs> you know even though we're you know I guess we are indie artists you know which is a bit of a dirty word but like you know but our songs are are in a way cross pollination of different styles mm-hmm. you know there's I guess beat the, the the rhythm sections are, you know, they're not necessarily live drums. A lot of them are hip hop beats, or or have or have a soul, soul yeah. or, or soul, well, soul, soul. St- structures. But some yeah. of the you know the 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 drum programming uh, it does go back to similarities to to hip hop stuff. So there is a cross pollination within where there is an eclectic sound. It does get forced down this route of rock or indie, you know, but it's not, I don't, I would like to think that we're not, you know, generically. Well, that's inter- I mean, just, it's interesting thinking like, in the same way that, I mean, a lot of these industries, if you, you're talking about winemaking mm-hmm. being an art. Yeah. And, and in a lot of arts, we've all, we've got trouble, you know, we've got trouble about, surviving moving forward it's always this struggle about you there's the love there but there's not the money <laughs> anymore and you it's a, just a like there's a lot of there's a lot of things about or people taking advantage yeah or, and yeah. it's funny when i think about music like you like cross genre music cross pollination is absolutely vital to 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 do it, to move forward with music, you know, you, if you if you're sort of a traditionalist now, you're gonna go nowhere. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like maybe that is the same with wine. Maybe that's a, there's a future of it. Like being being some sort of old world wine traditionalist is just not gonna cut anymore. Yeah, yeah. What to have a more of an appreciation on a wider. Well, we was like audience. laughing about. Yeah. We was, Laughing about Beck ordering orange wine. <laughs> we, we, we go do an order, and he's like, "I'll have an orange wine." We will like roll our eyes. Yeah. Like, you want me? Shut up. Give the, do, you, do, you mean a, do you mean a full body shard? Yeah. yeah, you, you what? But I'd be like that. Surely it'd be cooler if you ordered a Merce. But I got a feeling, right? Like, you know, he's just—he's standing on the on the edge of the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe he's waiting. And we're shaking our fists in the background. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there and be really embarrassed. <laughs> you wanker! Orange wine. What? <laughs> Why is no one else with us? <laughs> So we had from the Rhone a 90% Syrah and Grenache. This is 100% um, Syrah or Shiraz. It's the same grape from California, but um, it's by a guy called Pax Marl, who was kind of, I mean, he loves punk. Uh-huh. He loves, um, he's called Pax Marl, M-A-H-L. And he loves his punk rock. He loves, indie, like he's very into music. He was a som in the East Coast, got transferred to California. Within two or three years, he got like the wine bug, was like, I need to be making this stuff. So he eventually went, like I think in the late 90s, yeah, 1997, he started trying to find sites in California where he could work. In 2000, he'd actually set up his own place with his wife and it's, it was called Pax Wines. And there was another big investor in it from Connecticut who he really needed the help, but it was, you know, Pax Marl's whole vision and winemaking and whatever. Anyway, he, started, he was obsessed with the Syrah grape. And um, they soon got like this big reputation of making very elegant wines from California, not too oaky, not too mm-hmm. big. 
But he was scoring a lot of Parker points. Do you remember when like Parker yeah, yeah. points were like huge? So anyway, this guy who was always about like purity of wine or whatever, um, suddenly his wines got noticed by Parker and Parker was like yeah. 95 points, like 90 points. And he started making kind of more restrained, like less big, like full bodied versions. Ended up getting into complete dispute and being fired by, so this is kind of goes to like record labels and like uh, when his art dropped. was yeah, being yeah, told yeah. what to do and he's like, I don't give a, I mean, this is like my interpretation. I don't think this was verbatim, but he's like, I don't give a fuck about, you know, Parker or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, ended up getting fired and he's now since moved on and he's still making like with his wife and um, he now makes still incredible Syrah. Also, he does make Frappato. So he actually is a nice link to the first yeah. red we had because he's very interested in these like aromatic, nuanced reds, which don't need to be really heavily oaked or whatever. Right. And actually, if you look at his bottle, like lots of, like most Americans would just call it Shiraz, is the same grape, but the fact that he's called it Syrah is a reference to the Northern Rhone where the Syrah grape is planted and it's very similar to the style he's trying to emulate with what these guys are trying to do with Syrah from the Rhone. And actually, if you're looking at that label, the Syrah North Coast packs on that crest, you just assume that was from the old world. You yeah. wouldn't yeah. think of that as like, a Californian wine. So right. he's not trying to copy the Rome, but he's very much like, yeah. these are where like my artistic sensibilities. No, I was <laughs> kicking in. No, I wasn't, I was accidental. But guess what? I know you think it's quite quick because I love it because it's got like the red fruit of the other Syrah we had from the Rome, but it's slightly more like berry coolie. It's like it's kind soapy. of inkier. I, I taste soap. Well, there's a, it's a bit floral. And it's a bit like anise and it's a bit I, I, like violet. I, I, Do you I, get violet? I would say yeah, violet. That's what I meant. So, so yeah, violet. So, that's what I thought. So, so sounded that's exactly violet. It. So violet. that is actually the classic tasting note for a syrah. It's black pepper and violet. Wow, so, so you absolutely. Your palate is so. <laughs> your palate um, absolutely picked up. Like that is a characteristic so, note. So, so, I'm so impressed by your palate. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so it, it yeah, it's lifted by that kind of floral note. The fruitiness starts to kind of like make me feel a bit nauseous after a while. Really? It starts to get a bit ribenery, which I, but, is a wine term you probably haven't heard. Uh, no, I I, <laughs> yes. I I use wine gums. Wine the gums, whole yeah, 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 yeah. But, 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 but I, I would I would like I hear what you're saying, but I would. I would think that I could be able to drink the whole bottle of this more well, than knowing the other you. One. I think you could. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put it to the test. I know you could. I do like this because I know what you mean. It's got the intensity, but what I like about it, unlike a lot of Californian reds, this as well as not no way being as like alcoholic and big in that way. I like how there's a freshness to it from that violet thing. Yeah. There's the right. It's a shame. Fruit. I don't know if this is true, but I there's no. Well, I know this is true. There's no wine that is made from a indigenous grape in, in America. It's, they do. It's all, I've heard this, all, all imported grapes. And no, the reason is from prohibition, they destroyed every no, vineyard. No, 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 you get really? like, yeah, you get lots of, yeah, absolutely. And indigenous grapes. Indigenous grapes, particularly if you look at like New York wines. Or, like, New oh, York wines. Yeah, you should check out my Instagram. What? I've got a whole lot. I will actually. <laughs> But do, you, do you feel that you've been? Do you feel that you been duped? Well, no, 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 no. Because I, I. It's right, Bina, isn't it? She's having it's an experiment. <laughs> this is the cancel section. We fucked it. No, 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 no. I feel like are you. I feel like because you know it's a Californian wine that you you're a bit down. I feel being negative yeah. about it. Yeah. Is that because it's Californian? What can I do? I mean, no. If I, you didn't I, know it was Californian, would you like? Would you think that? Well, I don't know. I feel like my experience is absolutely happening on my taste buds. It's not happening in my mind, but it feels like it's very sort of the taste. Interestingly, I always when I think about when I'm when I think about music, I think about it in terms of like and wine and food. Yeah. I think about like sweet stuff being like top end, like right. the, the sort of, the top end of a, of a, all, you know, of a sonic spectrum and like salt being like the base. I don't think, think of it. No, no, I like this car. Yeah. And this to me is like really, there's no sort of body in it. It's all up there, like high mids and top end. Ah. And then there's a bit of hollow salt. You don't think there's body? No. 
I think the very fact I'm still like tasting it several seconds like afterwards. Like I, get I don't that. feel like sort of. I would just go like low mids. So I'm not getting any low mids. Are you not getting low mids? <laughs> no. Okay, so what about you, Bobby? So, Are you so, getting low okay, mids? Okay, so because so I'm gonna I'm coming in obviously. You know, but I'm, I also I'm, have uh, two glasses here, and I'm not sure which <laughs> one I'm drinking. <laughs> Can I have a little bit more? I'm not sure of if this I... One. <laughs> of this of the... No, the one, the oh, one, the one oh, I'm slagging off. Oh, the one you're slagging off. Yeah. Right, great. The one that's pretending to be some old Germanic wine with the label, but it's actually... Is this the point where you're such a punk that you just had to disagree on our wine? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> is the wine confessional time. <laughs> this is the cancel, this oh, is the cancelling bit. You have to tell <laughs> like an embarrassing story or drink related story which has happened to you in the past. Because we talked about this already, this, uh, this, uh, this wine related. I don't know if we have a wine related. It can just be drink related. Drink related. Or maybe it could be a guilty secret, like a like a wine which you shouldn't really admit to loving, but you really do. Really? I can't think of anything like that. <laughs> well, what a wine you a don't wine like. That, <laughs> the wine that you shouldn't admit to drinking. Buttfuss. I, mean. I, I still must, actually, I don't really like buttfuss. I'm actually house cautious. I've drunk quite a lot of buttfuss. I, I like did it. too, because I went to university in Ireland. Did so, you? Yeah. I don't like it. It's a weird drink. I mean, not all the, the, I mean, it's not the embarrassing story, but it's a kind of an irritating one that, <laughs> like, when I got married, we got we had so many like posh people buying us amazing wine, and um, we had we sort of started this cellar, yeah, like amazing wine, and then um, one night, me and my wife were having a big old row about something, and I sort of went down. We were like drinking this wine, just like basically having a horrible argument. And and then the thing that stopped the argument was we realised that the wine we were drinking was this like sort of three grand <laughs> bottle of no! wine. And we just waste, waste it like, fuck you, you know. Like, and like, Thank you guys so much you. for Thank you. Yeah, coming here, being open-minded about the wines and just like, yeah, for just like great, really awesome chat. And um, if, if there's yeah, anything- Look at a sediment on that. Yeah, exactly. See, natural, not filtered. <laughs> yeah. Well, cheers to that, guys. I'm cheers. so excited cheers. for you into this next chapter. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope that this has inspired you to grab a glass and have a wonderful conversation with someone close to you. If you have enjoyed this episode, please can you like and review because I've heard that this is how people can find me. And if you are interested in any of the wines featured in today's episode, all wine notes are included in the podcast description below. You can also find ways to contact me via my email, website and social media handles. The common theme is at Amelia's Wine. You do need to remember, though, that there is a hyphen between Amelia's and wine. Otherwise, it looks like Amelia's swine. Thank you so much again and back in blessings. <laughs>